Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Ha Ha Laugh Funny Mention It All A Bravo by Betches Podcast We don't say that but now we said it With Dylan Hafer Hold on check me both Hey everyone welcome back to the Mention It All Podcast I'm Dylan Hafer and my guest today is one of my favorite content creators She is always you know, stirring up, finding the mess, uncovering what we need to talk about. She is the one behind the talk of shame. You know her from TikTok and Instagram. She's also the host of the I'm Sorry podcast. Please welcome Kiki Monique. Hi. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> Hi, Kiki. I'm so glad you're here. I feel like, uh, you know, we're kind of like social media acquaintances, I would say. And I feel like I always... I'm getting updates on, you know, developing stories and things like that from your page because you are, you love to be like the first one on the beat. And I feel like you do a really good job of like following the narrative. <laughs> I try to like, I mean, I joke around with my friends that I'm their number one news source, but I really do. Like I want to be first, but I also want to be right. So it's like, I'm usually trying to like, get as many details as possible so that it can be a really easy thread to follow. Because, you know, when you're inundated online, sometimes you're like, there's so much information. Yeah, I think, you know, we see this with pop culture as a whole. And then also with Bravo, when there are, you know, scandals and legal situations happening, it can be really hard to actually sort of dig through every all of the noise of what's going on and figure out, okay, what are the actual bullet point updates here that I need to know about and that, you know, your followers, my followers, listeners are going to take home at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, I learned that we're like a headlines only culture and I'm guilty of it too. So it's like, mm -hmm. how do we capture but also get the information that is correct and the most informative? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I guess it's been this way for a while in some sense, but it seems like in the last year or two, especially, there's so much legal drama going on related to Bravo that, you know, most of us don't have legal backgrounds, but you have, you sort of, you learn what to look for and what some of the sort of, um, you know, key terms are. And it's like, I feel like I've given myself a crash course of like, okay, if there's like some legal documents happening, what's the what's the real tea out of this like 28 page filing? Yeah, the very first time I got a legal document, I don't even think I posted the story. I just waited for other people to post because I was like, I don't know what I'm reading. <laughs> and now I feel like Kim Kardashian, like maybe I could take the baby bar. I mean, it took Kim a few tries, but she finally nailed it. So, I, you know, maybe... You might not pass on the first try, but you'd probably get close. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, but so speaking of legal drama, we are talking about Orange County and Miami today. And with OC, there is, um, you know, some legal things bubbling under the surface that you brought to my attention that is kind of unfolding as this season is airing, but also was kind of in the works while they were filming. So it kind of is a little bit of context. And what we're talking about is... With Dr. Jen, Jen Armstrong, there is sort of a legal battle happening about the legitimacy of her practice. And basically, it's alleged that she 
was employing an unlicensed physician who is also a convicted felon in her office and having him perform services on patients. And then there's also another sort of separate but related claim that she was using illegal products like fillers that basically aren't, you know, legal to be used in the U.S. and that she was using those on patients. Um, Before we get into the newer developments, that in and of itself is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, especially when we've all watched Gina and... uh... Emily get fillers on the show. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying anything, but we're hoping those fillers were approved and legal fillers. (laughs) Yeah, I think in the sort of culture that we're in now where cosmetic procedures have been normalized to a certain extent, it feels very casual to just, you know, go into the office and get a couple units of Botox or, you know, in your lips or cheeks or, you know, fillers. And when information comes out like this or allegations, it kind of makes you think it's like, oh, if I actually do want to go get that Botox, I probably really do need to do my research. Absolutely. I mean, I usually, that's why I always go to my friends, like, who are you using? But there's no reason that, you know, Jen Armstrong was everyone's friend. So she seemed legitimate. You know, she could be legitimate. Again, these are just all allegations, but there would no be no reason to trust her, right? Right. But so the secondary aspect of this and what is kind of happening now is, so there's this woman, Sylvia Nuttall, who was the office manager in Jen's practice since, I think, summer 2020. And basically, she is... She was trying to blow the whistle on this questionable stuff that was allegedly happening in Jen's practice. And last summer, while they were filming, there was some back and forth where basically she brought things to Ryan's attention. And, you know, Jen was obviously aware of it. And then there was this kind of back and forth that they were like, okay, you can work from home. She says they kind of locked her out of the computer software with some of the stuff that was happening in the practice. And then she was eventually fired in October, I think. And now basically Jen has brought this lawsuit against her and it, it's being positioned as a slap, which is basically a lawsuit that's designed to um, get somebody to shut up about you. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Like, The lawsuit that was filed against Sylvia was saying, you know, you're saying all these defamatory things about me. Um, And then Sylvia basically filed this motion to say, like, that's not true. I was let go because you don't want me to let people know what was really happening in your practice. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, again, all of this is, you know, happening in legal documents. We don't know kind of the the full truth of any of it yet, but it is, you know, it's a lot of chatter that kind of paints this picture of Jen as potentially somebody who is doing some shady things or is at least not the best person to work for, maybe. Um, And I think on the show, a lot of the time when we have women come on who have, you know, real professional careers, sometimes there's kind of, you don't really ask any questions. It's like, oh, yeah, like, boss bitch, she's a doctor, she's a lawyer, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we've seen now of a few different times that sometimes the people who come on the show talking a big game about their business are not necessarily on the up and up. Yeah, I mean, and like, if you're looking through the documents, even Sylvia herself was saying, you know, I was getting worried there were past due bills. You know, I was looking for other employment because, it, you know, I didn't know what to do. But, you know, with the pandemic, I didn't know what was going on. And 
you know, Jen sort of fell into like that typical trap that I think happens right now with with housewives who are aware of the show where it's like they have in their head what their storyline is going to be and they stick mm-hmm. with it, right? And I think, well, personally, she was not the most exciting character on the show because of that. I think she came across as like not as authentic, but to now realize all of this stuff was happening in the, the background and it really gives context to like, some of her reactions throughout the show, like now I want to watch it with a new lens. And to be honest, if she gets like the Erica Drain, Jen Shaw treatment, she'll actually probably get picked up for another season now when I don't know if that was necessarily the case before. She didn't really have much going on. Yeah. And I think so much of their, of her dynamic with Ryan on the show has been kind of acting like they're total separate entities where she has the business and Ryan doesn't do anything. And in the documents relating to this woman, Sylvia, it sounds like Ryan was actually the one involved in a lot of the communications and he was setting up meetings with her to when there was kind of this back and forth that led to her being fired. And so that's something that I really wouldn't have, if you, just from watching the show, if you asked me how involved is Ryan in Jen's business and her practice and all of that, I would have said pretty much zero, it seems like. And the legal documents definitely paint a different picture. So then it kind of, it calls into question, you know, the conversations they're having on camera and then what Jen is telling everyone else. And it's like, okay, I'm not saying that none of the stuff we're seeing on camera is representative of your relationship, but it definitely seems like there's another side that they're sort of deliberately not putting on the show. Yeah, I mean, because like one of the allegations that was made was that, you know, none of the filler was left in the office. It was all kept at Jen's home. And, you know, they would call ahead and say, this is how many patients you had today. She would bring in these pre-filled syringes. And if there was ever a mix-up and they needed more, they said, you know, Ryan would come in with these bags, you know, go into the office and deliver something and then leave, you know. We definitely didn't see any of that happening for sure. Oh my God. Yeah, like from the way they talk about it on the show, you'd think that Ryan barely even knows what she does for work, let alone is like her courier. Yeah, you'd think that like Mr. Puppers is really the only woman he has in his life. (laughs) Calling all my honeys. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Whether you're a bride, a wedding guest, or simply seeking everyday smoothing, Honey Love is the go-to for all things shapewear. Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. For a limited time, you can get Honeylove on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their Signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back and thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash MIA. 
Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Move with confidence. Thanks to Honeylove. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. I did think this episode at um, at Shannon's luncheon, it was very funny to me how we got this one scene of Heather and Jennifer in the car there together. And Jen was kind of doing one thing and saying she she didn't want to be asked about it. She was like basically on the brink of saying that she wants a divorce. And then essentially the second they get to Shannon's, it's like it's like there's been a uh, a brain's transplant and all of a sudden she's bringing it up she's the one you know telling the other women you know they're like uh is anything wrong and she's like well yeah actually this 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 and this but no I don't want a divorce so Noella don't you dare compare our situations and i just am like what is going on in Jennifer's head because it was very strange to watch yeah, I mean, and these sort of manic episodes, they don't make sense in that moment. But again, when you realize like what's probably happening in her real life that she's not revealing, it makes a little more sense. Like, yeah, you're like, I have to talk about something because I'm very upset right now. And I have to give a meaning for this upsetness. And it's because, you know, Ryan this and Ryan that because they're going to ask too many questions. And so I just need to fill the room with what I mm-hmm. believe is the truth. So no, nobody questions me is what it feels like. Yeah, I think. Right. There's we see also with Noella this idea that it's like it's not that she doesn't want to talk about it. It's that she doesn't really want people to get too curious and maybe come up with their own conclusions aside from what she's telling them. And so I think in on one hand, I think it's a little bit of a stretch for Noella to compare their situations. But I do think there are some similarities like that where it's like, Noella also wants to talk about her divorce, but doesn't really want to, um, you know, be examined too closely. Yeah. And if there's one thing we've definitely learned in all of these years of watching Orange County is everybody talks. It's a small place. So we, you know, probably who knows in that circle has already heard some of these like rumors that are going around. And yeah, she doesn't want to be questioning it. So it wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, exactly that. I have to say, I was, I was like cheering at my TV when Noella's like, am I not allowed to talk about my divorce? And Emily's like, bitch, it's all you talk about. I'm like, woo! Let me tell you, because, like this Emily, yeah. I'm loving this Emily. It's just like, I want like to like get drunk with her, eat subs, fall off chairs and like, yeah, cuss people out. Like, I definitely love this Emily. Emily, I think is having such a good season and it really feels like it came out of nowhere because I've said this um, in past weeks that last a year ago if you had said okay what should they do to fix orange county emily would have been on my like probably get rid of her list and this season she and gina are like 
carrying the team on their back for me. Absolutely. And, you know, even though they're close friends, I also kind of love that, you know, Gina is like developing these un- this other friendship because, you know, Emily is going to get a little jealous of that. But, you know, I love that because mm-hmm. like that's what we do with girlfriends, right? It's like, no, you're my friend. <laughs> I yeah, the dynamics actually, I think, between Heather Shannon, Gina, Emily, I think that's kind of, to me, the crux of this group. And it feels like, you know, it makes sense. They're the, the four that have been on this show prior to this season. And it it is interesting at the end when we're getting to the question of, is Shannon jealous of Gina's friendship with Heather? I think that's a totally valid question. But I also think it could be a dynamic like that between Emily and Gina, where she might, Emily might have some feelings about Gina getting so close with Heather because, you know, I think Emily and Heather are getting along just fine this season, but they met, you know, Gina and Emily met Heather at the same time. And it's clear that Heather has embraced Gina over and above anyone else. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, anytime someone in the circle has like the huge house and the private jet, you know, you kind of want to be their favorite. (laughs) Right. Like whatever you think of Heather Dubrow, personality wise as a as a friend whatever seems like kind of a fun person to be on their good side yeah i mean she's bringing edibles of microdoses which also was just like another hilarious like them taking their little nibbles of microdoses and being like whoa (laughs) i i would never in a million years have predicted shannon bedore to be nibbling on an edible never i thought she would be way too high strung for that i have to say i was wondering Watching that scene, I am picturing Tamara Judge watching this episode and having like flame, like steam coming out of her ears because I've heard her talk about how a few seasons ago she had her CBD company um, and she like planned this whole big party and it was they filmed it for the show. And it was like, obviously, the reason you have an event like that and film it is to get, you know, attention for your brand and that Bravo ended up cutting the whole event because at that time it was still an issue with advertisers whatever to even have the association with like a marijuana product wow and so it i mean i so tamra came to mind for me but it is kind of funny to think how far we've come with like the the general vibe (laughs) around pot in a few years right and it's it's crazy because california has it's been legalized in california for so long the fact that they were still taking issue with it then, but you know, I do love that they've come around. <laughs> I know. Maybe maybe Tamara can bring some uh some Vena C B D gummies to Dorinda's house. Maybe they'll show that <laughs> on camera. <laughs> oh my god. Um <laughs> I do I I do wanna highlight this episode. I think one of one of the nicest parts is Heather's relationship with her kids. And specifically, we see her talking to Kat this episode, who has come out as lesbian. And she clearly has, um, you know, gone through it a little bit in terms of how people at school have reacted and some comments on social media. And I think whatever you think about Heather in general, I think her relationships with her kids and how she's really allowed them to explore their identities is just it makes me so happy to see. Agreed. Like, I, you know, I think that she is just a really good mom. And it's like, yeah, beyond anything else, like, you cannot deny her that. Um, And it just, it also goes to show, like, 
Damn, when you have money, it also makes it so much easier to be a really good parent. I mean, they were just having like a little planting potting party. Like, I'm sorry, my parents both worked full-time jobs. We didn't have a lot of time to like go plant plants together, but it seems really nice. That's so true. It's like, oh, like you're, you know, send me the list of stuff you want for your room because like your personality has changed a little bit. So obviously you're going to get like a whole new room. I'm like, damn, I was like... <laughs> 18 years old with the wallpaper I chose when I was like 10. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I remember I had like a little heart, like a heart border. Mm -hmm. um, I did get to do redo my room though, but that was mostly because we got into a car accident that was settled. And so I got some money and I got to get a brand new bedroom, but that was the only way. <laughs> Christmas was good that year. Yeah, I, I think I got, so we like moved into a house when I was five. And then I think I got like one room redo when I was like 11 or 12, where it was like, okay, this is like your big kid room. We'll paint, we'll do some wallpaper. So like, choose what you want. But that's like, that's what it's gonna be. Yeah, what was your, my big kid room, I got, it was all black and gold. I mean, I was only oh. maybe like 12 or 13, but I knew that yeah. I'm black and gold forever. And I had a mirrored headboard. Mine was, and this is, this will be really funny. I, I was in a, I was in a surfing phase, which I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, which is about the furthest geographically you could get from either coast. Um, I've never gone surfing in my life. I am pretty confident that I would be horrible at it if I tried, but I was, it was like my era where I was like a gay kid before I, but it's like before the taste grows in mm -hmm. um so i just like orange was my favorite color and so i had like some blue and orange stripes like some hibiscus uh you know motif going on i love it um <laughs> but yeah to this day i've never been surfing um and it, it to be honest it doesn't sound very fun to me no especially with people getting eaten by sharks not interested oh my god definitely not this episode is brought to you by paramount plus Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Okay, are we, are we good to pivot to Miami? Of I would course. love to talk about yeah. Miami. So this episode... We're, it feels like we're, we have to be getting close to the end of the season, but I guess still no finale teaser for next week, which I'm glad to hear because I was scared when Miami was coming to Peacock that they were going to give them like seven episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like a very long season. I was surprised. I know. So I want to get some of your thoughts before we get into specifics. How are you enjoying this season? Who are you loving? Who are you loving less? Um, what's the vibe for you with Miami? I think in general, I kind of love everybody. And I don't know if it's because like, it just was off the air for so long. And we kind of, you know, had a different cast, you know, we do have our old heads who are returning, but now we have new people. And so I feel like I'm just, it's almost still like a first season. And in first season, I kind of just like give everyone equal shots. 
Um, and so I feel like I'm enjoying everyone. I mean, even Larsa, who I kind of didn't really expect. I don't know. She's being way more open than I think I thought she would be, which I'm very impressed by. Every single person I've talked to about this season has basically the same reaction to Larsa. That it was like, I I had low expectations. I didn't, you know, didn't expect much. And she might not be my favorite housewife ever, but she's better than I thought she would be. And I feel like for for somebody that people obviously have a lot of preconceived notions of, both from her time on the show and her time as a public figure, it's it's pretty, you know, commendable how she's done this season. And I agree. I think there's no real weak link in the cast. I think there are some people that I'm connecting with more. There are some people that I am more entertained by than others. But there's nobody that I feel like they just are a bad fit. Yeah. And I think that they took like the the best page out of the Housewife Handbook where they're like, look, I'm going to be open and outright with everything that happens because the Bravo fans are going to like dig it up anyway. So like, <laughs> let me just reveal it all up front and let's just talk about it. Yeah. And I think most of the women in this cast have really been through some shit, whether it's with their relationships or their parents or their kids. You know, there's a lot of baggage coming into this season with this cast and I think they've done a good job of sort of picking and choosing what to explore further and obviously Alexia is kind of like a focal point of a lot of emotional baggage and I have to say her scene with Peter on this week's episode was like hard for me to watch because I'm just like no you definitely need therapy yeah I mean I feel like they could write an opera about Alexia because she just has <laughs> She has a wild life and just like so many traumatic things that happen. It's just like, but yet she's just like this gorgeous woman that you also would from afar, you would just admire and be like, I want her looks, I want her body. But you just like all the things that are happening, it's wild. She said on Instagram yesterday, I think that um, choosing confessional looks is like her least favorite part of being a housewife. And I'm like, well, you do a good job. Right? Them, so. <laughs> <laughs> if I looked like that, I'd be like, can I have like seven confessional looks because I look so damn good? I feel like all of the Miami housewives do give good confessional look. For I sure. mean, they give good look in general. Like they all, I feel like they all visually really understand the assignment. Like, yeah, it's like they don't. Everybody mind. always looks very together. Every time I see Marisol in those like cat eye sunglasses and the high pony, I'm just like, she's so fucking chic. <laughs> and even her, you know, bedazzled Starbucks like tumbler. It's just like the fact that she's always <laughs> drinking on that. I was like, who, who, who decided that? But I love it still. I liked also seeing this episode. Nicole and Lisa sort of bond over their lack of relationships with their fathers because I think we've seen Nicole really struggling with that kind of on her own this season and you know hearing Lisa kind of open up about that a little bit and then find that common ground I liked seeing that because I think I like I like Nicole a lot and I want her to have I want her to be close with people in the cast because I want her to stay yeah I mean and her father is definitely wild like I can't even seeing that scene yeah. with them I was just like Oh, I can't imagine. Like, I have such an awesome dad. I know. It is it is tough, like, when people have, like, relationships like that with their parents on these shows, it always makes you kind of evaluate those relationships in your own life. And, you know, obviously nobody has the, you know, perfect family with no drama, but there are little moments where it's like, wow, that would be, that would be really tough to go through. Yeah. And I, I always kind of applaud 
the people who are so open about that on these shows because it just is like it has to be really hard. Yeah, and so many people have that dynamic and you're right like when when you have you know, parents that are really awesome. You don't think about those other people that can relate to that. And you're like, oh, like, damn, I, I couldn't even imagine. So, yeah. And, you know, speaking of the parent relationships, at the end of this episode, Alexia, you know, reveals that her mom has now been put in the hospital with COVID and her wedding is supposed to be a week away. And like watching it, knowing that her mom ends up passing away on what's supposed to be her wedding day. It's just like, I can't even, that's a, a thing that since it happened in real time, I can't even think to put into words how that experience is. Yeah, again, she's just like living like a Shakespearean tragedy, like every step of the way, like anything that can go wrong in her life, it seems like it will. I want to get your thoughts a little bit on Julia and Adriana's dynamic, because it seems like every episode we're getting another scene between them where they're like... <laughs> each other's soulmates <laughs> and i know martina is not a housewife so she doesn't need to be on every episode of the show but it feels like adriana is like filling this role for julia and kind of vice versa what is your take on their friendship you know i just like i get the i get the feeling that is it Ju juliana is that how you say her name juliana um i think that she just likes to be chased and she likes the chase of people wanting her and so like an Adriana is just a big flirt. And so it's knowing that she could have her if she wanted wanted her is really all it is. It's just like no knowing that. But I really think that it's nothing more. Adriana is just a flirt. She just wants. Yeah, Adriana's a flirt. And, you know, she also talks about how, you know, she feels she's kind of alone. Like her her son was her, you know, pride and joy. And he's out of the house now. Um in this episode, you know, Julia's daughters are going off to Europe to spend time away from her. And it's it's got to be tough. And I'm glad they have each other. I I don't know if I can say I 100% understand the, you know, friend engagement, <laughs> friend pro proposal dynamic. But I, would I don't know. I would be weirded <laughs> out if, like, my friend bought me, like, a, yeah, like a matching ring. But, you know, hey, to each his own. I think for me it was partially the the ring itself but also the fact that she did it in front of the whole group and it's like <laughs> it's like you go it's like you invite eight friends to your birthday party and then you're like okay like i'm so glad everyone is here but mostly i'm glad that my best friend is here and it's like it's literally <laughs> either bring a like that either bring a valentine for everyone in the class or don't bring any no they definitely have like that that broken best friends necklace and they're each wearing one half of it and everybody else is looking around like well, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather I would rather not have uh, half a best friend necklace than have one of those Jensha uh, blood diamonds <laughs> that she gave everyone in Zion. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Because like you're going to be probably handing it over to your attorney anyways. That was so bizarre to me because it was one thing, you know, when she bought those necklaces or bracelets or whatever they are originally, it was before she had been arrested. And so, you know, as far as she knows, everything's good you know she can keep spending like they're gonna take the money away but the fact that by the time she gave the bracelets out it was like so much later and after she had already been like indicted it's like what is happening yeah hence why i you know i heard that she's trying to get like footage from the show like 
she doesn't want the jury to be able to see it. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want them to see it either, knowing I was just, like, buying all this stuff. Oh, my God. Imagine if you were, like, a juror and you had never heard of any of these people. And part of your, like, jury assignment was watching, like, hours of Housewives footage. I'm just, like, imagine. I mean, that would be amazing. But for people who do not like reality TV, it would probably be their own personal hell. But I would think it would be the best ever. Exactly. I mean... The thing that would make me excited, which obviously I would never be picked for a jury in this trial because I am like the least uh, unbiased person on the planet. <laughs> but like, I would just be like, okay, so is there like some unseen footage? Are we getting some like raw, some raw cuts? Like, you know, I would watch like 30 minutes of Jen just like organizing her shoe palace. Yeah, no. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's the... Stuff that's on the cutting room floor that is the most, you know, intriguing. Like, I'm sure you've, we, we all the Bravo accounts, we get a lot of stuff sent to us, right? That people are like, I saw this. And like, sometimes you'll see some stuff that was never aired because, you know, people behind the scenes and you're just like, whoa, if anyone ever saw this, this just like shines a whole new light on some people. Well, even the the footage of her, you know, like berating the you know, designer that had been working for her, like that whole hidden camera situation was something that, you know, they did end up bringing it up on the show. But I think if it hadn't sort of gone viral on social media the way it did, we probably wouldn't have ever heard about that because it wouldn't have really, it wouldn't have come up within the group if people weren't talking about it in a broader sense. And so that's the kind of thing where I feel like social media can be really powerful in terms of what they what ends up making it onto the show because I don't think the women would have ever had a reason to actually have that conversation. So I I think, you know, obviously it's fun to post like memes and things, but also in a in a kind of powerful way, it's like also building some of the narrative for the shows while they're filming. Absolutely. Like I mean, we've been watching Bravo for years and like I feel like there was like a certain certain media could like infiltrate a Bravo show that they would accept. And like in the last few years, it's like, no, the Bravo accounts can like dictate kind of what happens in a season, which is kind of cool because it, it's going to bring some realness that maybe they weren't going to show before. You Right. Like it doesn't have to be a page six article for it to be enough of a conversation to be worth bringing up on camera. And, you know, obviously like, we saw Radar Online derail <laughs> Like nine seasons worth of Beverly Hills. Um, but like, but now, yeah, it could literally be, oh, like somebody posted an Instagram story and somebody DM'd it to X person in the cast. And if it's the right place, right time, um, it could, you know, turn into a whole storyline. And I think sometimes that's a little bit, you know, it's a slippery slope. Like, I think sometimes it's like, okay, like we don't actually need to hash out like every little uh, moment and conversation, but sometimes it can be like, no, this was where the show needed to go. So I'm thankful for that kind of like landscape. Well, yeah, I mean, we've we've been seeing so much with this Beverly Hills Aspen trip, right? At this point, I don't even know what to believe. So it's kind of like mm -hmm. I'm now at the other end where I'm like, mm, I'm not going to believe anything from the Aspen trip. I'm literally going to just watch and see what happens. Yeah, I I usually take the the direction of not believing any of it until there's something that really feels more true than anything else. That's how I've always been with like New York casting rumors. You know, how many times last fall were there like, you know, 
sources can confirm that all six women have been fired or like Ramona is done and like Luann is back you know all of this stuff and now it's you know halfway through February they're not filming a thing like you know nobody none of these women have gotten contracts in the mail and you know anybody who said six months ago that they did Okay, thank you. Yeah, and and the one rumor I'll tell you I'll never believe is Ramona's fired because I personally, unfortunately, think Ramona will never be fired. So I'm like, you're never going to get me with that one. I sort of agree, and it's not that I think she never could be fired. It's that I have never felt like it really felt like it was happening, and so I feel like when, if, and when the time comes. There will be an announcement. There will be a post. You know, we're not going to, she's not going to just kind of like disappear into the night. You know, like they're, they wouldn't sort of do that to her. I don't think like, I think even if she doesn't deserve like a dignified exit, I think that will be afforded to her if there is a time that it happens. Yeah. I mean, she's going to get like the retired silver watch sort of exit that you get when, you are an OG. Like, you can't take away from her that she is an OG and she has brought a lot to this franchise as hater or not, right? Totally. Speaking of casting, I, w- I just want to get your thoughts on one other uh, rumor that I would say has been a word on the streets on Twitter is that Candace might not be coming back to Potomac. What are your thoughts on this? I absolutely do do not believe this for a second because Potomac has, I think, perfect cast right now. They don't need to make any shifts. They don't really need to make, they can do an addition, but they don't really need to like take away. Um, I I don't believe it. I completely agree. And I think if anything, the time when they would have gotten rid of Candace was after season five, when all the stuff went down with Monique, they could have sort of just totally you know, cleared the air and said, Monique left. We're going to get rid of Candace too. We're going to kind of start fresh a little bit. But honestly, I thought season six, I thought Candace had a great season. I was, you know, I'm, I would never say I'm like a Candace stan, but I would say I think she's very good at being a housewife and I have no desire to see her leave the show. Candace had a really good season. And look, I've talked about it in my TikToks. Like we've had a, like, a, we've tussled a little bit, but I will absolutely. <laughs> Give her the props that, like, we may have tussled. She never blocked me. She never, you know. And so, like, she understands the assignment of what it means to be a housewife. Now, does she get reckless with her mouth? Absolutely. As so do so many. So, like, I never, when people think I'm picking sides one or the other, I'm like, not really. I'm just going to, like, sometimes I call you out and sometimes I might like you. Like, there's so many housewives I, like, hate and love back and forth. I think that's just like a Bravo fan dynamic. There's very few that steadily Mm -hmm. I love across the board from the beginning to the end. Totally. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think sometimes it's it's worth it to just kind of be team good TV and not get too invested in who's right, who's wrong, who is, you know, maybe a nicer person at the end of the day. Um, And, you know it's it, it's hard to paint yourself into a corner especially when you know i gotta watch this shit every week whether i'm enjoying it or not <laughs> let's face it <laughs> exactly and and i feel like some people make themselves miserable and they're like you know like oh, like jackie's the worst person on the planet and like how how on earth is she still a housewife and it's like just just calm down. yeah i mean i had to find myself checking because in my okay i will say that dolores is one that steadily i'm just like i'm always like she goes up and up in my book every single year mm-hmm. and i'm just like 
I'm always team Dolores just because. Um, and so when her and Jackie got into it this last episode, of course, my instinct was to be like, team Dolores. But then I had to remember back to last season when Jackie, who wasn't my favorite, I became team Jackie with her and the Teresa fight. So I, I see how mm-hmm. even I just changed, you know, sides of that moment, right. you know? Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of the best way to approach it is that, like, I can disagree with you, but it's not because I think you're an awful person, it's because I disagree with you on this specific thing. Um, Kiki, this has been just the most fun. (laughs) I had so much fun. I'm glad you did too. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Tell everyone before we go where they can follow you, where they can listen to you, all of that important stuff. You can follow me at The Talk of Shame on TikTok and Instagram. Um, And you can listen to me um, on I'm Sorry, which is available on all podcast platforms. (laughs) while you're so while you're searching for i'm sorry don't forget to rate review and follow this show mention it all wherever you listen so you never miss an episode you can follow us on instagram at bravo by betches and until next time be cool don't be all like uncool mention it all is produced by sean kilby and jorge morales pico editing by sean kilby social media by dylan hafer guest booking by nicole pellegrino be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Betches.